KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. There continues to be a lot of talk about the worker shortage that we are seeing these days. It still seems like everyone has a help wanted sign out. We've done multiple podcasts on the subject, but most of the discussion, it seems, focuses on the workforce and what they are or are not doing or accepting. We wanted to take some time to take a look at employers. Are they adjusting to the new normal? Do they appreciate that for the first time in a long time, they truly have to compete for quality employees and maybe they their old playbook isn't in line with what people are looking for these days. Maybe it's time for some self-reflection from the boss. It's a fascinating topic, and to dig into it, we caught up with the Senior Director of Westchester University's Twardowski Career Development Center, Jennifer Rossi Long. So before we kind of talk about the, the why, from people you talk to anecdotally, this worker shortage thing is not letting up. I know anecdotally for me... I still see help wanted signs all the places that I saw them seven, eight months ago. This doesn't seem to be going away. No, no, I I would absolutely agree with you. This is not something that's going away. Um, This is something that um, I think that there are issues that were present before we got to the pandemic. This crack in the foundation that was there that's now just been exacerbated by the pandemic. And so this was just a matter of of timing. But if you look at the like the numbers of the folks leaving their jobs month over month, I mean, I think we we last talked about this, I don't know, back earlier in the year, in the spring or maybe over the, the summer, we talked a little bit about this or a similar topic. And at that point, I think we were saying, oh wow, there's like 3.9 or 4 million people that left their jobs in April. Like this is this is incredible. Well, in August, it was 4.3 million, another 4.3 million that left their jobs. So there's just this months and months of data that suggests, no, that we're we're going through a little bit of a transition here as it relates to how people view work. And it's interesting. So much of the discussion is focused on the workers and very little, it seems to me, of the spotlight is focused on employers and mm-hmm. how are they treating people are they bringing their best game to the table because i Mm -hmm. thought it was very telling kind of when this first came to the surface and there was kind of this universal uh acknowledgement that something's going on Mm -hmm. the absolute reflex of pundits and people you saw interviewed was well nobody wants to work it's extended Mm -hmm. unemployment people are sitting home and making more money that's going away and it hasn't changed. And it kind of tell, it tells me there's a tone deafness that there could be anything wrong with the way. And obviously we're painting with a broad brush, but that employers treat their people. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I would agree with you. I I think that um, I definitely heard the same talking point with, you know, well, we have these extended unemployment benefits. No wonder folks are, are staying home, but those ended in certain States months ago. Um, and, and we might almost be completely done with those now um, looking across the country. And you didn't have that flood of folks coming back into the workforce. Like I think a lot of folks thought or might've been hoping would happen. It's just not what happened. And I think there's some folks that um, think that this is a little mysterious, but you don't have to scratch too far below the surface to really uncover the mystery. I mean, it's, it's not just one thing. There's a lot of layers to it, but it really is 
obvious that it's it's not just about the money here. I I, I feel like the, the money piece always comes up first. You know, that some individuals have more of a savings to live off of because of some of the pandemic like stimulus payments and other aid that was offered. There are some folks that have more equity in their home just with prices soaring. Um, or maybe they're able to refinance with a lower interest rate. There are all these things factoring into that where, yes, they may have more of a savings that are that are there. But I think there are these other things out there, like the general fear of COVID, because we're still very much in this pandemic. Um, you know, and I, and I get the sense that there are some employers that are operating as if we've cleared it and it's in the rearview mirror, but it, it's still very much here. And so I think there's just a reluctance to put yourself in a situation that could be a threat to your health, to your family's health, you know, um, to any of those things. I also think, you know, childcare continues to be an option for folks, um, whether that's just, you know, a shortage of, of workers in that particular field. And so options being limited, um, having to limit the numbers that facilities are able to take because of things like social distancing and, you know, not being able to be so crowded and even just some people having a discomfort of, you know, putting their child in, in that situation. It really just depends. But I, I kind of feel like I would I would love to see employers kind of look at this from that, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs perspective. So, um, you know, if you're not familiar with that, it's, it's a pyramid and the foundation is built on those physiological needs. So like your food, your water, your rest. Um, the, the next part of it is... Um, uh, basically like a feeling of security. So, you know, folks needing to attend to their health, their well-being, their sense of safety. And so I kind of feel like we need to focus on some of those like basic needs that people are, are looking inward and trying to focus on for themselves before we can get to the top of pyri- the pyramid, which is like realizing your full potential and focus on feelings of accomplishment and all of those other things. Like, I feel like we need to kind of take a step back and say, what do people need right now? In your conversations, in your networking, have you encountered any employers that have started to look at this critically from kind of the angle we're looking at? Am I doing enough to make this a place that people want to work? Because I think we've seen a lot of places by necessity, raise wages. You know, a lot of the fast food, frontline worker stuff like that. But to your to the point of it's not just one thing, I think there's been this kind of reckoning that people don't want to be treated like crap anymore and want, you know, some more dignity with their work and, and want to be, you know, respected by their bosses. Have you encountered anyone that's kind of looked at this kind of self-critically and and started to to think of it from that angle? Yeah, I'll give one example. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't say that I'm hearing a ton of examples of people doing things wildly differently at this point, but there there is somebody that I follow, um, Dan Price, who's the CEO of Gravity Payments out in Seattle. He was doing some work with his workforce and doing some sort of progressive things before even the pandemic started, but over the course of the pandemic has been very vocal about things like giving people the flexibility that they want, trusting your workforce to know the job that they do. So to say as the CEO, I'm not going to dictate how you best do your job. Do your job the best way you can do it in the environment you need to do it in. I'll support you in that. And as long as we still see results, we're all good, right? You're happy. The company's happy. Everybody's happy. That's that's great. Um, and I just think um, he he makes it sound so 
simple, um, even though it, it can become a complicated thing. But he basically said, I asked my employees what they wanted rather than dictating to them what I thought they wanted. They told me what they wanted. And I said, sounds good. Go do the thing you want to do. And he has seen phenomenal results just in terms of um, in terms of revenue, morale within the company, productivity, the number of applications they're getting for each open position. They've been able to add headcount to their staff. Like there's so many positive things that have happened. And it literally boils it down to, I asked, they told me, I did something about it, period. And it's interesting because I don't think a lot of people have that ability to kind of look inward, let alone people in positions of power. Um, I think it, it can be difficult to be self-critical. But I think it's been a long time since I think we've been in a moment like this where I actually, I don't know that I've been alive and you know cognizant of a time when workers kind of were looking at things through this, this lens. I would imagine a lot of people in charge of hiring have never encountered this, right? Where people just don't want to work under the circumstances and payment that we've been used to doing for years, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think there there also um, sometimes can be a disconnect between the folks that are doing the hot, right, the recruiting and the hiring managers versus like what some of the C-suite is saying, or, you know, like some of the, the senior leadership um, within the organization. Because I, I think, and, and thinking about a few folks in my network, the ones that are doing the recruiting and the hiring they're close to this, like they're they're understanding why people are leaving through their like exit interview process, or they're understanding why someone is not accepting their job offer and taking a different job offer. They have that information, even if anecdotally, right? Even if they don't have like a systematic way to collect that data, but it's a matter of explaining the cost of that to someone who's looking at the, the bottom line and not understanding how all of these things sort of um ripple out and have longer lasting effects on not just the the uh, vibrancy of their organization or the the culture but then it does come down to the bottom line because turnover is expensive there's a great website it's called ask a manager i don't know if you're familiar with it but it's a a woman who's a manager she's written books i believe her name is allison green and she just takes questions kind of anonymously from people that of workplace situations and this is happening i'm young i haven't worked before is this weird and it's really fascinating to kind of go through these and you you see stuff one of the things that was interesting is they she got a there was a discussion about people who are hiring complaining that they're getting ghosted People are setting up interviews, not showing up. Mm. People maybe show up for the first day of work and then just don't show up again. And people were complaining. And I admit, I thought it was weird until somebody brought up like, this is what employers have done forever. All you, the time. You, you get interviewed, you get three interviews, you, you think you're, it's good, and then you just don't hear anything. And they point out how fascinating it is that all of a sudden, for the first time ever, this has been reversed a little and people are freaking out. And I think that kind of speaks to the the dynamic that we're we're so used to we almost didn't think of it and when it's kind of reversed they don't know how to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is um something that's I feel like especially relevant in my world being in a career development center and and not necessarily specifically here at Westchester because my last two institutions this was a thing too. You know, we host 
recruiting events on campus, right? Like think about a career fair. Every time you have employers that register for the fair, they don't show up the day of the fair. You don't hear from them. They're just not there. And then you have students, oh, is so-and-so going to be here? Ah, we don't know. We haven't heard from them yet. Maybe they're running late. We're not sure, right? And so it's always, you know, you come back to the office after the fair, you're talking about it and you're like, I never want to hear from employer XYZ that a student didn't get back to them about such and such or whatever, you know, like, I don't want to hear that because you just did that exact same thing. And it is the exact same thing. Why are we putting that on the candidate as a negative thing, but on you as, well, this is just what we, this is how we operate or, you know, this is just what we do. And I just, I just think that speaks volumes that like, I never looked at it. I remember now it's been a long time since I've been job search, but I remember sending stuff out and, you know, you get a call and you get excited and then that's it. There's not even a, you know, well, we filled the position. Thank you very much. It's just, you know, now nah, nah, we're done with you. And you did. I just looked at it as that's how life. And when you really take a step back and kind of reverse engineer it, it's terrible. That's a terrible way to operate. Yeah. And do you think, I guess, kind of getting smacked in the face with your own behavior like this, do you think it will resonate or do you think there is a certain amount of tone deafness that they will not kind of see it as maybe we should reevaluate how we do our hiring and should we be maybe we should be more thorough in making sure that we've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's with all the people that we reach out to? Yeah, I'd, I think it depends on I think it depends on the the organization, their culture, and the the expectation that the leaders are setting, right? Because I, I think it would be very easy, particularly in large organizations that are getting thousands of applicants for every job, to say we ju- we couldn't possibly right, like we couldn't possibly have someone personally follow up with every single person and and all of that other stuff. But to me, that's kind of like an easy out for some of it. It's like saying. Well, you know, we're hemorrhaging talent, but you know, the great resignation's happening. So, what are you going to do? It's just happening. No, I, th- I think the folks that are going to be proactive and figure out solutions to, okay, we want applicants to our organization to feel like seen, and even if we're not offering the job, to feel like they had a good experience because they could very well apply for something that's a better fit in the future, or that's just different. T- maybe they go pick up another skill and then, you know, they're, they're more qualified for something. Um, maybe they have someone in their network that they'd say, yeah, I didn't get the job, but I had a really good experience with them. I definitely apply again. Or you, you know, my friend or someone else in my network, you should apply for this job. This, this company was great. So I kind of feel like that looking at it as part of the organization's brand and culture, rather than just a, uh, you know, we, uh, we just don't have the the time to do that. You know, how can, how can they better leverage technology, but make that feel more genuine? Um, Are there certain touch points? Like maybe every single person that applies gets like a general, you know, we've decided not to to move on in a timely manner. We're not talking like months later because that happens sometimes. And that's, that's even more frustrating than probably being uh, ghosted. But then the, the folks that you did have some sort of initial contact with, making that like a little bit more personal. Um, I think that there are ways to do it. I'm not suggesting it's easy, but this is all part of the competition for talent. I, I just think that if employers aren't um, thinking about some of this, which some of them are, and some of them have great processes in place related to this, a lot of them don't. And um, there is going to be a war for talent and for workers, and you're going to have to start competing. That's just, I, I think that's the bottom line. 
I just and I, I I think I've made this point like three times, but I just keep coming back to it. The idea that that was just kind of accepted as is really mind boggling to me. And I I say this as someone who just accepted. Well, that's just the way the world works. But when you think about it, I'm not even talking if you apply to a place, but if you have had contact like one to one contact on an interview of some sort. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine it'd be that hard to just kind of keep a list and as people get crossed off to just reach out for a 15 second phone or, you know, five minute phone call or a, a personalized email. Sorry, we've gone in a different direction. We'll keep your stuff, you know, because I just think, I mean, from a job searcher standpoint, just kind of knowing, all right, that door's closed. I can move. I can refocus on X, Y and Z. That's huge because the worst is just kind of the not knowing where you think maybe you've got a shot and you don't know how hard to pursue other things. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it would be really big. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And and like like you said, you know, you keep coming back to it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. So I'm curious because I feel like I don't know. It's been about a year that I I feel like this worker shortage we've heard about it maybe really intense the last six seven months or so since maybe the end of spring beginning of summer how long do you think we will be in this moment and i i think this is going to this goes beyond the pandemic you know do you have any uh, could we this be something we we see we're seeing kind of a transition over the next few years on this and we will be kind of amazed if you and i talk in like 2025 kind of how things have changed and and how the calculus has shifted a little bit yeah, well, I can't wait for that conversation in 2025 because <laughs> I can't wait to see um, how, how this unfolds. I mean, I, yeah, this is definitely not going to happen overnight um, for sure. I, I think that there are some organizations that are being really proactive in this moment. I don't think the majority fall into that category. I think the majority fall into the category that um, think they are being proactive in this moment, but they're making either making assumptions rather than going right to their workforce and, and asking, or um, they're asking. So they're, they're doing the right thing, right? They're doing the work I'm, I'm asking, but they're going to get stuck on the implementation piece because that's the piece that I feel like is the really hard one. Like it's, it's, unless your ego is in the way, it's not hard to ask and receive the information, right? If you are prepared to receive, you're going to get some things back and you're going to have to, to address these things. That's not the hard part. You just, you send out a survey, right? You ask people anecdotally, you pass them in the hall, you, you ask them about it. The harder part is going to be actually taking that data and making meaning of it or doing something with it so that it's not just sitting on SurveyMonkey or in a, in a file somewhere not being addressed. So I think that that's the part that's going to take time. Because even just in general, when you think about like any type of organizational change, even if it's a positive change, it's still change and transition, which is difficult for people and is a process. So I do think that this is something that we're going to be um, dealing with for a while. Um, I do think that, you know, for anyone that falls into the bucket that had a little bit more of a, a cushion or a safety net financially, that could eventually run out on them, but they're going to have their choice of where to go. And, and if someone's looking, even let's say you're like, okay, I, I could make, um, I, I keep seeing $15 an hour. I could make $15 an hour at Walmart, or I can make $15 an hour at Amazon. So what's going to be the differentiator? Well, some of the benefits, the culture, the flexibility, it, it's not going to be about that wage because eventually they're going to have to 
stop out at a particular wage and they're all going to be at the same place. So there has to be this other differentiator. So I, I guess all of that to say, I think that this is going to be going on for a while because there's sort of this anomaly in the, the market and those usually take time to, to kind of settle again. Do you think there are employers that aren't almost going to be able to get their head around the idea that it's not just money, like that it's going to be very, very difficult for them to accept that it's not just I'm I'm paying people more and they're they're still leaving. I don't understand, like just because it's something they've never had to face before. I think so. I think so. Again, I think it's going to depend on the um, the folks that are in leadership positions um, and what the culture previously valued versus what it's going to need to place value on in the future. So if you have leaders in an organization that are, you know, flexible, like they understand it's this is not a one size fits all thing um, and, and some things are going to need to be reimagined. If you have folks that are empathetic, like they're willing to listen and they're willing to really understand. So not listen and then naysay, but really, really listen and consider. If you have folks that understand how to bring people through change and how to like manage that process. Um, if you have people who, you know, practice humility and, and are like, yes, I can admit something that worked for us before, or maybe something that didn't work for us before, but people weren't really loud about is not working now. And I may have made some mistakes in this. If you have those folks that's a that's a self-aware organization. That's a great culture, and they're going to get on the right path. But those are hard things for some people. There's a number of different personality types and other things that get in the way or pressure. And so all of that to say, I just think that that organization, so much of it is going to depend on the people that are in decision-making types of roles as to whether or not they're going to realize yeah, these are changes that have to be made. And the ones that are not early adopters there, so they they don't have leaders that are thinking about this a certain way, they're not taking action, they're going to keep hemorrhaging talent and they're going to have a hard time bringing talent in the door. Um, so they're eventually going to have to get on the train. I mean, I know, I know I've heard some folks say when we, when we start to move out of this a little bit more, it's really going to be an employer's market. And, and that's for like several factors, like less employee labor unions and other things. I completely disagree with that. I think it's going to be a job seekers market. I think people have a lot of power right now. So again, if if someone's not realizing this and not reflecting on it, it it's going to start affecting things like bottom line and and talent. I mean, you know, how many times can uh, a Starbucks have to close at three o'clock that day because they don't have enough talent? Right? Like they're they're just things that are going to have to be addressed. And I'm curious in your role in your job, in dealing with students, have you noticed a change in the questions they're asking? And is there kind of more awareness of things just beyond the job and the salary? Have, have you noticed, is there a, a tangible change in, in what you feel like maybe these young workers are looking for? I think there definitely is. So I, I think that the door has been cracked open. So now they're going to get their, their foot in the door and try to widen that door um, because they're, they're coming up having, you know, maybe a little bit of, of work experience if they were working part-time while they were in high school, or if they worked a little bit before they came back to college. So they're coming through not having a ton of experience, particularly now that was prior to the, the pandemic. They don't really know a lot about how it used to be, or some of the things that we just sort of accepted without thinking about. 
which I think is a good thing because they don't have that whole, well, this is the way we've always done it, or we just accepted this to be this way. That's just not going to be part of their frame of reference or, or their thinking. And I think that's a positive thing. I think the other thing that comes into play with the college students is, you know, we, at least in, in our office, we've always approached, you know, finding something that's that's meaningful for a student in terms of, yeah, what what are the skills? Like, can you actually do the job? Do you have the skills to do the job? Are you interested in the job and the function of the job? But also, is it congruent with your values? It, you know, is does the organization care about things that are important to you? And I think that, that the conversations that we're having now, that values piece is coming into play a lot more related to some of the things that we're talking about here today, related to students really wanting to see a commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and access in the workforce. So I think there's other things that come into that, but it's really the students saying, yeah, I, I want to know a little bit more about this culture because I, I have the skills, I'm interested in the job, but I need to make sure I'm in an environment where I'm going to thrive. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>